a Podcast One production. If you are what you eat, then some people are bloody disgusting. Today we're looking at disgusting foods eaten around the world and we are asking our panel whether they are... Cat's pyjamas or cat's piss with the chaser. Andrew Hansen here. I'm here with our uh, food assessors, Chris Taylor, Dom Knight and Charles Firth. Um, we hungry? Hope we're feeling peckish, guys. Mm, absolutely uh, ravenous. Well, I could yeah, eat a good, horse. Good. Watching well, the World Cup on TV. Well, there's worse than that uh, coming up because Sweden now has a museum of disgusting food. And, uh, look, I guess it's all about um, what you're accustomed to eating where you live because uh, this museum features revolting foods from many different countries and Australia is represented pretty amply there ourselves. So I think we might actually start with some of the local foods uh, that that we're familiar with Mm -hmm. and which Swedes obviously think are completely disgusting. One of the foods on display in the museum is Vegemite. Cat's piss. Is it cat's piss? I think it's actually made of cat's piss. What what don't you like about about our Vegemite? It's it's made of expired brewer's yeast. It 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 was an industrial accident that somehow people ate... And I can't stand this stuff. I think it's disgusting. Really? It's appalling. Vegemite's a fascinating food product because on its own, yeah, it's incredibly salty and the taste is quite severe. But something magical happens when you combine it with lashings of butter on hot toast and it's mm. the most delicious thing in the world. And, you know, it's, I don't think it was an original product. There was Marmite in the UK. It's also a yeast extract. Mm. And I think other countries have a version of it. It's cat's piss for me, but I love Vegemite, so I'm affronted that it's been p- part of the Museum of Disgusting Food because mm. I think yeah. it's, it's iconic, it's delicious, and it just takes, I don't know, it's acquired, I guess. Oh, hang on, and, what's the definition? Is, is cat's pyjamas that they've put in the Disgusting Food <laughs> well, that was open or? to interpretation. Well, yeah, I'm not sure, but... (laughs) I mean, Um, I'd have to disagree with you, Chris, on the whole it's disgusting because certainly my son, my seven-year-old, will sneak a whole finger load of Vegemite and just eat it raw. Are you uh, sure he? it's Vegemite? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's brown and stick. Oh. <laughs> this is the thing, isn't it? Is it because you start eating it when you're a little kid? Is that why we Is that why we can tolerate so these addictive. disgusting foods? It's I think it's Stockholm Syndrome. I wrote about this in my book. It's um, I think it's Stockholm Syndrome. We've all grown up being forced it. We've been told it's a national spread. Can we red card Dom here? Is he using the podcast to plug a book? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a, yellow, it's a yellow card. You know why Vegemite became popular in Australia? So they lost in the market to Marmite for many, many years. And then during the war, you couldn't get Marmite anymore, so people started having it. But it only got popular when they gave it away for free with cheese. It's oh, very well, good with cheese. It's lovely with mm. cheese, and that, that's fair enough. Like a free sample. A lot of businesses do free samples, Dommy. And, it, uh, it is worth $0 still today, in my view. But pretty, pretty much every food is an acquired taste. There's very few foods yes. that... that Children don't refuse for the first hundred times that you serve it to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You might as well you could feed them anything, really, couldn't yeah, you? I, mean, that's, I know adults who just will not go near seafood, and not mm. for any dietary reasons. You know that fishy thing. Yeah. Mm. They just never acclimatise to that. Now, maybe they haven't acquired it sufficiently. They haven't exposed themselves sufficiently. But that'd be, I, I don't know the science of that. But I, Vegemite's definitely acquired. Because, yeah. you know, it's, it's almost mandatory when a Hollywood star comes out to Australia and does an interview. It's mandatory to get them to taste Vegemite. Like, I don't think they're allowed in the country unless they sign a form (laughs) agreeing to do a a lame, cliched interview where they get to taste Vegemite for the first time and they never like it. Like, no one likes it the first time. But I think maybe as kids we develop the taste 
Even as adults, though, we all turned our noses down to Vegemite 2.0. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> cheesy, right, yeah, cheesy cheesy Mike, cheesy Mike, what it was called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was That's I- the one that should be in the museum. <laughs> Wasn't it called Ice Snack? Ice Snack 2.0. I'm pretty partial to the cheesy Vegemite. Oh, Andrew, that's a yellow card. They've tried to smuggle it into lots of different products. They've tried to have chocolate. Mm. And then what? Vegemite chocolate. They tried yeah, to do Cadbury craft singles with Vegemite. Oh, and it? they had Vegemite Tim Tams, didn't they? They did. Well, yeah. this is how trendy Vegemite is now. Mm. I um, actually had uh, a lunch the other day at Heston Blumenthal's restaurant in Melbourne. Oh, of course you did, Chris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and as one does. Red and <laughs> only on one day this week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was actually breakfast. <laughs> and he's he's doing a Vegemite ice cream there. There's yeah. another restaurant in Melbourne that does a roti with a Vegemite curry, oh, come which on. is no. It's the hottest wow. dish of 2018, according to the age. So that's because it's oh, ironic. Sounds... Like food now is all ironic. No one actually likes that. They just think it's a funny well, people idea. People are just eating it out of sufferance and hoping, you know, that it, it's Instagrammable. I think no, I, Vegemite is delicious. It's umami mm. and it's very salty. So if you like those two things, then you're going to be bang up for it. And now the Swedes yeah. aren't into that, so maybe they're more into pickled, sort of sour and mm. bitterness. So maybe that's why they're into rot. If you rotted mm. some Vegemite, they'd probably love it. Oh, rotted Vegemite would be right up there, Ali. <laughs> mm. Well, I think part of the point about Vegemite, though, is that it can't rot. Oh, can it's it? salt. That's true. It, but you could no, spread it on a rotted fish. Mm. Like that's, oh. what a, that's what a Swede probably would do. To, you know. <laughs> yeah, to, to make it more palatable to yeah. them, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another Aussie treat in the Museum of Disgusting Food. Now, this is one I must admit. I think that this deserves to be in a disgusting food museum. I never liked this treat. Mm. Musk sticks, ah. those, those little pink manufactured sticks, and I don't know if, if they're named after the musk that comes out of a musk ox. I don't know what flavour <laughs> they're supposed to be, but I think they're pretty awful. I mean, Charles, what do you yeah. make of a musk I, stick? I hate musk sticks. They're, they're cat's piss to me, so it's cat's pyjamas that they're in the museum. I can't yeah. understand um, and, and the problem with musk sticks is that they get put in the lolly bag and they ruin the whole lolly bag. Because they've got quite a fragrance. Yeah, because they've got the fragrance and the and the sort of, it's sort of powdery. The chalky. Yes. Chalky thing rubs off on all the delicious snakes That's and true. Everything. There's a little bit of musk dust, a bit like yeah. fairy dust that just yeah. gets into yeah, the like whole bag. Like dust. Yeah. I, I think yeah. they're fine. They're not my favourite pick and mix, but they're, they're inoffensive. They sort of taste like pink sugar. I don't have a problem with them. I didn't realise they were Australian. Are we the only country mm. that has the musk dick? Uh, yeah, nobody else's stomachs would accept such a dreadful snack. Yeah, no, we're, it, they're, they're an Aussie. Oh, they're an Aussie yeah, thing. But isn't that interesting? Because, you know, when you see your iconic Aussie foods, you know, like your Anzac biscuit, mm. a nice fova, you, you never see the musk dick in that group. Yeah, we, we, like deny, British... we deny responsibility. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's another disgusting British food that's been inflicted on? I, I think or it's fine, may, Or is it New Zealand? Is it like the Russell Crowe of oh, confectionery? Like Pavlova. Oh, it snuck in, and, but now we're claiming it, but now we're happy to say, no, it actually was New Zealand. <laughs> well, I've got a bit of a confession to make. Musk. Stick was almost my lolly of choice as a kid. No, I used to, oh, really? daily. I ordered, went up to the school tuck shop, said, "Sure, twenty of musk dicks, thanks." And I loved them. Uh, wow. I Shell. Anyway. Yeah, she was. She was literally called Shell, our tuck shop lady. And yeah, so, but I haven't had one in years. What, I don't think you can get them anymore. Can you? Well, you got to go to Sweden. Musk. Twenty cents of. This oh, is right. like today. You'd get like yeah. one millimeter of musk stick for twenty cents. But back then, you got about ten sticks. Chris grew up in the Victorian era. Um, <laughs> twenty <laughs> shillings of musk stick, please. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, um, I really liked them, and kind of regret mm. that. 
I can't find them anymore. They're just a bit blurred. Like, they're okay, but they've they got that same kind of chalky consistency as the banana. Yeah. I'd definitely go a musk stick over one of those weird bananas they have in, in lolly bags. Yeah, they should be in the museum. Oh, they're bloody awful. All right, well, look, now, if it's kind of a testament to how revolting people think Vegemite <laughs> is when you look at some of the other foods that are in this disgusting food museum from other countries um, because <laughs> some of them are really quite woeful. Right. Let's go to a Mongolian dish that's on display in the museum. Um <laughs> Now, I should say they, they, they do refresh these foods regularly yeah, in the museum. I was going to say, so how, how are the dishes displayed? Do they cook it once and it just has to sit there for the six months of the exhibition? Or is there a chef comes along and gives it a stir with the start of each day? No, they, they refresh the foods every so often. And some of them are available to taste. Some you're, you're only allowed to just look at. And some you'd probably only want to just look at. No, now, you Mongo- absolutely want to taste everything. If you're putting a you? food, <laughs> not just for gluttony reasons, but if you're putting a food in a museum based on its disgust, Disgustingness. Uh, the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? Like, if ever there should be an interactive museum, I reckon everyone should be allowed to taste everything and make their own mind up. Taylor's, though, Taylor's a gourmand. Like, Taylor's the kind of guy that when uh, Alice Cooper bites the head off a chicken, he's in the audience and goes, I'd like to try the chicken. I wonder if it mm. might uh, yeah. improve the flavour. Yes, and I'll try Alice Cooper too, please. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, they've got a Mongolian dish, which is um, there are two key ingredients here one is tomato juice. Mm-hmm. Now that that's, people are a bit divided on tomato juice, well, do we have any feelings on, on tomato uh, juice? You like is tomato juice? Great when you're on a plane. That's the only time. Oh no, no, Bloody Mary. Mary. Mary's. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Tomato juice is the guarantee. Which, which you only, drink. which you only ever order when you're on a plane. I, uh, what? It's the only time I ever yeah. order a Bloody I've Mary. I've never seen no. Bloody Mary's available on a plane. What, what do you class mean? are you flying? No, that's <laughs> what, it, it, any international flight. Do they? they serve tomato juice, and you can always ask for a Bloody Mary. I've and never then, seen it. There you go. It's a good tip. Oh, no. Pro tip from Charles and Firth. They, and they always have the Tabasco sauce and the Do they put the celery sauce? Yeah, and they put, they, no, they put it in a stick. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. A mustick. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get that on Jetstar. <laughs> no, you get you that. Get a any international. Yeah, hot tip. And it's the perfect plain drink. Oh, yeah. well, if you were flying that plane to Mongolia, Charles, mm. you could order a tomato juice and it would have sheep's eyeballs floating in it. Oh, oh that's the dish. Um, Those are the two key ingredients. Is that a dish this. or a drink? Well, it's a bit of both, isn't it? I mean, it's part drink, part sheep's eyeballs. So the eyeball, eyeballs aren't garnish. It's not like, you know, oh. the celery stick is in the Bloody Mary. It's not just oh, there. Oh, like it's pearls. A, it's a big, they're pretty big. Teeth. If you see the photo, like these are big googly eyes. It's quite a comical looking dish because there's this two big googly sheep's eyes just right. floating in the tomato and, and are the sheep's eyes cooked? <laughs> oh, this is a great question. I look. I I don't know. I'll see if I can find out the answer. Uh, that because for me, I I think that would like if they were cooked, you'd sort of go, oh, okay. Well, I'll try that. If yeah. they're uncooked, I sort of feel a bit squeamish about raw oh, eyeballs. I've got the answer for you. It, it's okay that the sheep's eyeballs are <laughs> perfectly hygienic because they're pickled. Ah. <laughs> right. They're not so cooked, they're the, the, pickled. The sheep was pissed, so every part of the body is pickled. And right. Look, it's um I mean this is just a cultural thing, isn't it? Because when you go to sort of that part of the world, whether it's the stands, you know, Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan, or all the way up to Mongolia, they're actually way ahead of the whole use the whole animal zero waste thing that Craig mm. Rewcastle ever was. Oh, nose to tail. Mm. Yeah, nose to tail. <laughs> uh, eyeball to tail in this instance. So it's not uncommon at all to find 
eyeballs in a lot of their curries and stews. So what's different about this is they put it inside a drink, which is sort mm. of quite interesting to me. So I think, uh, cat's pajamas. Yeah. I think. Look, I'm not a vegetarian, but I understand where my wife is. I understand where they're coming from, and it seems to make sense to me that if you're going to eat meat, you should look it in the face. And I think yeah. that's a fantastic thing with this drink. You, you're basically <laughs> yeah. staring at the sheep and going, all right, I'm going to drink you. No, you're absolutely it, right because there's mm. a whole school of seafood eaters who don't like the head of the fish. If you're already in a whole fish, yeah, they or, don't want the mm, eyes there the because prawn, it, yeah. it reminds them that it was actually an animal rather than just a piece of food. So I agree. If you're going to eat meat, then mm. you front up to it. I, eyeball to eyeball. Look it in the eye. Do they do it, it like a Chinese restaurant where they bring the sheep to you? And you sort of have to say hello, and you oh, the eyes are looking pretty good. Yep, make that into a drink for me. But it, it's sort I of a not. bit like the tomato is looking at you, isn't it? Like it's a tomato yes, juice with two eyeballs. It's a tomato it's two eyeballs yeah. with gar- garnished by tomato juice. Is right. that what you're saying? No, I'm saying it's like a human it's tomato it's staring at you. Yeah, it's like a huge tomato staring at you because it's basically tomato juice, isn't it, with some eyeballs? Well, the, the eyeballs are probably more noticeable. You know, when you serve this drink, Charles, mm. I reckon most people would not be thinking too much about the tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> Could you stick a kind of cocktail umbrella in one of the eyeballs, like just to sex up the drink somehow? If you wanted to drink it poolside in Mongolia, like how do you how do you turn it into a real mixology cocktail? Oh, well, now it's sounding really appetising. <laughs> yeah, now right. that you've described it, it presented nicely. Yeah. Rather than the umbrella, couldn't you put the sheep's tongue on a little cocktail skewer and just have it sort of over the side of the glass? That's the, that's, that's the problem with the drink. There's not enough of the sheep's head yeah. in the glass. Like, <laughs> the sheep. I, I Maybe a sort of ram's horn I want to see the skull of the ram. I want to see its tongue, its eyes, its nose. Yeah, let's get more of the sheep's head inside that tumbler. There's something to be said about, you know, you've got tomato juice in a Bloody Mary. Mm. As Charles was telling us, well, the Mongolians actually drink this sheep eyeball tomato juice as a cure for headaches. Mm. Ah, yeah. I mean, well, it would take your mind off the headache at least. <laughs> I imagine. <Yeah. laughs> What's some? Um, have you ever seen Clamato? Oh, Clamato! It's is that stu- is that American product, right? It's tomato juice with clam juice well, mixed in. Is that well, right? Based on the portmanteau, that's what I've assumed it is. But is that what it actually is? It's yeah, a, yeah. a clam-based tomato juice. It is. Yeah, it's tomato juice with a bit of clam juice mixed in. For those who who feel that you know a normal <laughs> tomato juice just lacks that clam flavour. Yeah. So it's just well, lamb so mato juice. So so you could <laughs> yeah. There's lamb mato, as Dom says, <laughs> lamb for the for the sheep version <laughs> of this. <laughs> Or if you wanted surf and turf, you could have the sheep's eyeballs and some clam inside your tomato drink. And some actual turf. Why not go the whole way? (laughs) Oh, cat's pyjamas. Cat's pyjamas. All right, we're going to move on to some dairy now. We're going to take a little trip to Sardinia Mm. and Corsica where you can eat a (laughs) maggot-infested cheese. And this is a cheese which is infested with live maggots. And they're crawling, crawling around. They're crawling around and seething about in the cheese, which the, which the Sardinian people say gives the cheese this wonderful flavour. And odour. Uh, yeah, and you can you have a choice. Um, apparently, if you're a bit hardcore, you just bite into the stuff, live maggots and all. Um, the more squeamish Sardinians, <laughs> apparently <laughs> what you can do is put the cheese in a paper bag first and close it up and then you listen to the paper bag and it goes as all the maggots sort of fly around and try and escape and you wait for that sound 
to stop and then you know all the maggots are dead and then uh, the, the cheese is much more palatable and, and enjoyable to eat because you, you hoe into it while the maggots are dead. How long does that take, Cruffley? <laughs> I haven't tried it. Like if you're peckish though, it. like, you know, if that comes around at a, you know, a cocktail party. It's not oh, fast and you're food, starting. is it? And, you, and you kind of, you, you, you're mm-hmm. in the category of what Andrew calls squeamish Sardinian. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll take the paper bag option. Would you be waiting a long time for the pitter-patter to stop? <laughs> this is why Sardinian cocktail parties are so dull. Everybody's standing around <laughs> with a paper bag next to their ear for half an hour. I've had fish cooked in a bag and I liked it very much, but it would certainly be more dramatic if they gave you the fish to you alive, yeah. sort of flapping around in the bag and you had to hold it closed until it finally stopped flapping. You'd certainly know that, you know, you were eating kind of cruel meal. Now, what do you think, Dommy? Would you would you eat a maggot-infested cheese? Is it cat's pyjamas or, or cat's piss? Would you try this one? Well, I'd definitely be taking the squeamish op- option. I I know that stomach acid is pretty strong, so as soon as those that maggots hit your stomach, that's okay, but imagine them sort of squirming around on the, on the way down. I think I'm cat's, uh, cat's piss on this. I, look, I, I have an entirely different question, Andrew, which is <laughs> are you entirely sure... That it's not just some corrupt Sardinian cheesemaker who's got some off cheese and he's yeah. selling it as a delicacy, whereas <laughs> in fact fine. it's a maggot-infested cheese. That would be genius because he, he'd noticed that mouldy cheese is already selling very well. Yeah, so yeah, he goes, oh, we can go one better than this. Forget the blue cheese. I've got the black cheese covered in maggots. And he's probably buying, you know... All this old cheese from yeah. supermarkets, <laughs> yeah. and then just reselling it as aha dumpster diving every yeah. afternoon yeah. Off, <laughs> on the main street of Sardinia. <laughs> I mean, it's highly possible because I I've never quite understood the science of mouldy cheese. It's obviously a bacteria. I don't, I've always wanted to know who was the first person that let their cheese go off. I assume it was an accident, but then had the bravery to eat it. And thought, oh, that it, tastes quite nice. But it's not a bacteria; it's a mold. A mold, right? And and mm. mold, as we know, it's antibacterial. But, but that's why it's sorry, so good for you. But it's not known to be delicious. What do you mean? Like, well, it's incredibly our, delicious. What other what other food Blue do you che- eat when it's moldy, other than cheese? Uh, oh, if you're my dad, jam, bread, <laughs> uh, anything. <laughs> yeah. But look, this is all a reminder that it's a question of what you're used to, isn't it? Because I can imagine that if you if you serve this dish in parts of Asia, they'd be totally fine with the maggots. Yeah. But obviously a lot of the population is lactose intolerant, so they'd be saying, well, I can't yeah, possibly going, eat the cheese. They'd, put the yeah. cheese. they'd be going, maggots. oh, this is so disgusting, the yeah. cheese stop, butter yeah, Stop <laughs> ruining the lovely maggot dish with the cheese. They put the cheese in a bag for that to go off and just keep the maggots that are alive at the end of the process. Um, um, look, it's it is a tough one for me. I like to think of myself as an adventurous eater. Maggots are pretty much everyone's. Tipping point, aren't they? No one. I mean, maggots is kind of shorthand for off, rotting, do not touch. And uh, are the maggots only? Are are these maggots that turn into flies? Is that what they are? Well, uh, it's actually got it. You know, it's its own species of cheese fly. Um, I mean, they lay all these eggs in the cheese as well. That sort of helps make the cheese really soft when Mm. you eat it. Um, So, so they are their own thing, and and they're very very lively as well. These Mm. things, if you do eat it while the the things are alive, um, typically people who eat this cheese put it on bread, um, on a slice of bread, and, and these <laughs> maggots can leap 15 centimetres out of the cheese. Oh, so wow. what the Sardinians do is they hold their hand over the cheese. <laughs> 
so that they don't right. get a maggot in the eye. Right. It's sort of it's sort of dinner and show, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a circus. Like I wouldn't come. I wouldn't put the hand over. I'd want to see these almost like a flea circus. Yeah, the maggots perform for me. These Cirque du Soleil acrobatics. I think I'd be ripped off if I've paid for a kilo of maggot infested cheese and as soon as I put it on bread, half the maggots jump yeah. off. You'd be taking yeah. it back. Not what you paid for. My question is: Are the maggots free range? Because like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an animal cruelty issue. It is. It? I mean, so. I'm, if, if they're kind of, you know, if they had a good life before they were wedged into their cheese <laughs> work, then uh, I think I'd give it a go. I th- I'm oh. warming to it by the second. Well, I'm con- I don't know, Chris. What I do know is, look, the regulations over this cheese would be a bit haphazard. So look, it's possible they are battery maggots because oh. the EU... Uh, has actually declared the cheese to be illegal. <laughs> You're not allowed. Just ruin everything. The you can, see Brexit. You can have that cheese. <laughs> illegal cheese. It's, Ill, it's illegal. Yeah, they're not even allowed to make it, but they are so they're keen. So you've got to buy it on the black market. Well, what I'm what I'm thinking now. Remember, in a previous podcast, we talked about the organised crime rings of Italy. Mm, yes, I, I can just imagine the black market for maggot cheese. Oh, yes, yes, thriving. Oh, it'd be huge. It'd be. <laughs> There'd be dozens of people in the yeah, world. The demand, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> would be overwhelming. Well, it could be hard to tell. This is my biggest problem with it. Would it be hard to tell it apart from Swiss cheese? Because if the maggots are sort of eating holes out of the cheese, which is sort of what maggots do, isn't it? Like how big a hole would they start putting into the Sardinian oh, cheese? Well, it's kind of worse than that. It, 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 um, it's not like Swiss cheese is a solid with big holes. The Sardinian cheese, the maggots just make it look like this sort of chewed up mush. That's kind of what it looks like. Right. So, that, you know, there's lots of tiny little holes in there. Pre-masticated. Yeah. So you're mm. telling us that at this museum in Sweden, every morning someone's charged with bringing out a fresh illegal cheese riddled with maggots. What a job that is. <laughs> I, th- I think for the museum, they actually have a replica of the, of the ah, cheese because right. of its illegality. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, here's, here's another thing to ask whether this is cat's piss or cat's pyjamas is, is just on the branding of this cheese. This, is, this interests me. Sort of honesty in product naming. The name of this cheese is Kasumarzu. Kasumarzu. And that translates to putrid cheese. <laughs> now, do you think that's cat's pajamas or cat's piss to, to give such a brutally honest name? Well, no, no cat's pajamas. I think there's there's a bit of an increasing trend about this. I don't know if you've ever been to the Hunter Valley recently. There's something. There's a cheese shop called the Smelly Cheese Shop or something, and sort of people. And there's stinking bishops in Enmore. People oh, yeah. are sort of embracing oh, yeah. the smelliness mm. of people cheese. People say they like stinky cheese. Well, they? something. Yeah. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a, again an acquired taste like Vegemite, but uh, I. I don't mind a, a cheese that's a bit on the nose. So, no, putrid just seems to be part of that trend, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and look, I think in terms of marketing 101, you always lead with your weakest point. Oh, yeah, point. turn yes. your floor into a virtue. Yeah, so, mm. oh, no, our cheese is all putrid and disgusting. Well, why don't we call it that? <laughs> We're the Putrid Cheese Company. Yeah, the Putridly Illegal Cheese Company. I'd be a lot happy, happier if they called it Putrid Vegemite. It'd be much more honest. Well, that might have, I think that was the second place yeah. uh, container <laughs> in, in the... In the, the <laughs> I, I, so what's it called? Yeah, I, I snack, snack 2.0. 2.0. I Putrid 2.0. I Putrid almost got over the line. So we're here with Chris Taylor and Dom Knight, Charles Firth. We're talking about the Disgusting Food Museum. We're going to move to China now and one of the disgusting foods that they have on offer in the great country of China is penis. 
and it's the penis from a bull. Ah. A bull's penis. Is that cat's piss or cat's well, pyjamas? Bull's piss. Is this because of the belief that if you eat something of a strong animal, you become strong? Is that the look? P- partly, yes. There, there is partly a sort of belief that it'll give you penis-like abilities. Uh, <laughs> what something penis my like penis has turned into that of a bull. <laughs> but it's also partly like more than that. What are penis-like abilities? What are what is that? Yeah, what what superpowers does your penis have, Andrew? <laughs> oh, I, I, that's a long list, Chris. <laughs> you wouldn't believe what it can do. It can open jars. It can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Personally, my penis all... is infested with maggots. It took a long time to get it that way. My mine jumps fifteen centimeters. <laughs> but uh, no, you've... look. It is also a culinary thing. In Beijing, there is a penis restaurant. You've probably been there, Chris. Is this on your list? Of... You need extra wide chopsticks. <laughs> you can eat um, not just bull's penis, but penises of. Many, many different animals which are available at this restaurant. There's one brave food critic, a Western food critic, who has actually been there. I'll describe the bull penis for you so that you get a bit more of an idea of what it tastes like. Very close to meat, um, <laughs> this critic says. Very close uh, to meat. Well, why not, why meat. not meat? Uh, not, not this, because it's sinewy and slimy. Oh, a bit awfully, um, is it? I guess. And um, he, he said it took a few bites before you could swallow <laughs> and tasted <laughs> rather unusual. like fat. Tasted rather like fat. Um, Chris, would you eat a bull's penis, given the, the description? Yeah, look, I would. I, I mean, I wouldn't expect a gourmet experience. I think I'm eating everything in this museum just out of natural curiosity. But, yeah, again, it goes back to that thing of using every part of the animal. My concern yeah. would be, as you've suggested, just it'd be a bit tough and because it's so much sort of sinew. In, in If a penis is anything like a human penis, and I imagine it is, and even the balls <laughs> would be... A little bit tough. I'm assuming well, it serves flaccid. Could you sort of? <laughs> no, no. The bull comes in all ready to go. You're ready to go. And you, you just tuck it. Could you do oh, it no. as a degustation? So sort of, you start with an amuse bouche just of the foreskin, and then you might move on to a couple of balls as entree. <laughs> then you do the shaft proper for main, and then maybe the scrotum for dessert. Like you do good ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> so you got a real. Movable feast, a tasting, a tasting journey. Have you been reading a Cleo guide to giving a blowjob? <laughs> That's what that sounded like to me. Also at the restaurant, you can combine kind of two. You know, we have a bit of an aversion to which animals we eat. You know, we're happy to eat cows here in the West. Not so keen on cats and dogs, mm. the, the sort of animals that we keep as pets. Mm. Well, they've combined the, the sort of ultimate in disgusting food challenge at this Beijing restaurant and they serve black dog penis there. Mm. Now, uh, the um, the food critic who tried this said it had had a rather dirty taste. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. I don't, wonder if, I don't know what he was expecting. <laughs> and uh, was the hardest to swallow. He said, the flavour changed several times as the juices were released. <laughs> now, what do you think of that? Is that I mean, a, a food where you get sort of multi... It's a bit that reminds me of that Willy Wonka yeah. uh, thing where you Everlasting chew Everlasting knob stopper. What is it? The go- well, there's one where you get different flavours the longer you chew. Yeah. Mm. Is that a good thing? Well, this- of course. So the penis starts, let's say, lemony. And, and then you got, and might then go the, through a strawberry sort of flavour. And, and then musk. The, the closer you get to the arse, it's getting quite chocolatey. <laughs> like, I, I don't remember actually from that book, every flavour, and Bertie Botts in, in Harry Potter, the every flavour beans. Presumably at some point in, in the packet you get the cheese with maggot. That's right. Bean. You will, uh, the beauty of eating penis is that it, it can be self-sourcing. 
<laughs> so I look. I, I take his word for it that it's going to be really tough. Um, yeah, but and, and but it's not going to taste so different to the rest of the animal. Now I've never eaten dog, but let's say I've, a cow. I've, I've had dog, right? And dog You've had is, it what? is not very pleasant. Dog we, penis we had or it just in dog? Guangzhou. It was twenty years ago. Oh, when um, everyone was doing it, yeah. Oh, and it's just not very nice. It's I just it described to me as tasting like wet dog smells. It, yeah, yes, exactly. Was? Yes, mm. it, it it smells unpleasant. It's I, from memory, it was sort of sold as sort of poor man's pork or something. Right. <laughs> and so it's a hard it's sell. It's a, a putrid like, cheese style naming, isn't it? The whole thing is they don't. Well, back then at least they didn't really have any beef. So if you wanted some red meat, you dog was basically yeah. it. And so I, I can imagine that the dick of a dog would be very hard to swallow. And I would be worried about... I just want to take that the, quite out of context <laughs> and post and the, it online. And the fact that a lot of footballers out there who disagree with you. It releases different tasting juices as you chomp on it. Yeah. It, well, it just is too much. Doesn't it's that excite too, you? It's cat's piss. Really? Yeah. It's cat, uh, mm. Look, the idea I, of a dish put, changing flavour as you eat it I, is fascinating to me. Yeah, and the experience of many people who've chomped on dick over the years. But I do think that I agree with you, Chris. I would probably try every every one of these things. But I can imagine after the first bite just going, nah, do, yeah. dog's dick, especially black dog's dick or whatever it's called. What's it called? The, uh, a black dog penis. A black dog penis. So it's a penis that's very depressed. So, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I may be just completely prejudiced here, but that's cat's piss for me. Prejudice against black dogs. <laughs> yeah. So if it was a white dog, you're okay. I, I, yeah, of course. I feel like in the playground as a child, eat a dog's dick was an insult. I'm happy to leave it that way and, and go cat's piss on this one. Well, that's how Chinese people say bon appetit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's take a look at the disgusting drinks menu now, guys, because you probably want something to wash down your disgusting foods with. Guys, partial to wine. Oh, all. yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, you know, we get some different kinds of wine. Some's made of grapes. And uh, I think I've heard of strawberry wine and um, yeah, plum yeah, wine. Yeah, yes. Plum wine. Dan- lovely stuff. Dandelion wine. Dandelion wine. Well, um, if you go to China and Korea, you can have the immense pleasure of sampling some baby mouse wine. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, this is a wine. What? <laughs> it's made out of not just mice, but specifically right. baby mice. It's mm. as if they've been, right. as, you know, mice with, uh, I don't know. What, what are they called? This, They're called um, skinnies or something, aren't they? The, are they? Because, the, yeah, because they don't have any. Um, Fur on them yet? It's not fat shame, baby mice. You're about oh. to get turned into wine. So it's yeah. like the veal of mice. Mm. You know, uh, really young, yeah. young mice, yeah. really young Tender. mice, which are then turned into a wine. Look, is this something? How, how? Be... like like mashed up and fermented? Is yeah, do you it? put them all in a basket and you get stomp on them like <laughs> grape style until yeah, you yeah, get with, a delicious bare, fermented with, drink with bare feet? <laughs> or you just make, a, make the wine and just leave the baby wine a bit, a bit like the worm in the tequila. <laughs> you just have a They've bottle with be, a baby mouse know. staring at you. How does it work? The, well, you know, it's a um, it's a very ethical process. Um, <laughs> they they get dozens and dozens of baby mice, which From are no where? older than 
which I know, well, out of, from a mouse hole, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Where you think they go um, to houses looking for skirting boards with those mouse holes yeah, and stick their yeah, hands yeah, through. Right. Ah, new batch of baby mice. Look, I don't know actually where they source. I assume they're farmed or something like that. And there can't be any older than three days. Mm. Dozens of them are bottled up <laughs> and just drowned alive in rice wine. Oh, God. Wow. And left, left to brew. Right. Uh, for about a year mm. or so. So it's they, a bit like having a worm in your tequila. Well, it is. It's a bit dangerous according to the information, though. Like, if you don't make it properly, it'll kill you. Or oh. <laughs> this stuff or it'll make you very, 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 very ill. Um, <laughs> but the Chinese say that, you know, if you do it right, then it has it has medicinal properties. And, and what are those medicinal properties? <laughs> uh, like, like any homeopathic thing, it cures everything. Oh, right. uh, you know, so you drink it for anything from, like, asthma to, to, to liver disease or... Um, whatever so, you whatever you believe it's going to cure. This is why I find food so fascinating because, like, you know, we were talking earlier about who was the first person to think to eat mouldy cheese. Who was the first person that thought if you take a whole lot of baby mice, stuff it inside rice wine, put it aside for a year, mm. then on the off chance, we'll come back a year later, try it, that could just be delicious. Are we in? Yeah, let's try that. No, I think, I think you're mistaken here, Chris. I think what happened was... It was the, at the end of a night and they'd <laughs> drunk through all the rest of their stuff in the house. No more a regular wine left yeah. or sake. And then they, they got to the back of the thing and they found a half-open bottle of Chinese rice wine mm. and a, a dead mouse in it that had uh, crawled in months oh, ago. Oh, yes. yes. Right. And they went, do you think we can drink this anyway? Yes. And they went, oh, yeah, might as well try. And then they drank it and went, oh, my God, yeah. it's cured all my diseases. It's actually delicious. <laughs> it's actually yeah. delicious. I'm not only imagine what yeah. it would taste like if we got more mice, <laughs> mice in the bottle <laughs> and really young, delicious ones. <laughs> it must have been a fascinating process, like launching the commercial operation for that business. Like, mm. That's a hard pitch to a venture capitalist. What's your business plan? Well, <laughs> we want to kill a whole lot of baby mice, put them inside rice wine, put it in a cupboard for a year, <laughs> then bring it out and sell it at B&S Bulls. Are you in for $20 million? <laughs> Imagine well, your master wine. Winemaking, just going and just just sampling the first batch and going, oh, it's only been six months. This isn't aged enough. Really. <laughs> Put it back <laughs> on the shelf. The, the mice are dead enough. <laughs> I'd like to read the tasting notes from the <laughs> wine reviewer. Sort of peppery um, bouquet, and yeah, so mousy. What, what does James Halliday give it? <clears throat> oh, uh, yeah, five stars. Do we have this in Australia? Because I could see Yellowtail getting into this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it involves alcohol. That's cat's pajamas for me. What do you think, guys? Time for dinner? Look, I know I've been very open-minded about everything else in this museum, but I, th- I think the animal rights aspects of this one sort of put me off. I mean, I'm assuming with the bull's penis and the maggots and all of that, I mean, they were things that were going to die anyway, but... These little mice only had three days of life. They weren't born just to become, to get Charles Firth pissed. So mm. much potential. They, they must have <laughs> snuffed out. So, no, I've, I've kind of finally crossed the line and say cat's piss. I think by the time you get to the end of the Museum of Disgusting Food and the maggots have been crawling around and you've had the Vegemite, I think you drink anything, cat's pyjamas. Well, if you're salivating uh, after having heard about all the delicious treats on board at the Disgusting Food Museum, um, why not go and check it out for yourself? It's right there waiting for you. In Sweden, we've only covered a a tiny number of the disgusting foods available there. Uh, You can also sample stinky tofu, roasted guinea pigs on a stick, Mm. uh, frog smoothies, (laughs) and, and more and more and more and more. It's in Sweden. Visit disgustingfoodmuseum.com if you would like to. 
Check that out. This has been Cat's Pyjamas with The Chaser. Cat's Pyjamas or Cat's Piss with The Chaser was written and presented by The Chaser. Created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia, producer Alex Mitchell, sound production by Darcy Thompson and Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app or search Cat's Pyjamas on Apple Podcasts.